What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Broken Campfire Podcast, where this week we're not going to talk about The Last of Us at all. For that, you can check out last week's podcast where we talked about it for a lot. That was um, The Last of Us, that last episode. Not, but not the last podcast, like I said there. No, no, no. This is, this is and, more and, of us. And this is also not the last of our podcast. Well, what's up? I'm Andy, the host. I'm joined by a couple other hosts, Flask and Sean, and begrudgingly, our special guest, Vito. Hey, guys. Hello. I like him. He's okay. I like me, too. You know what? I've got thoughts hot off the dome, so we're just going to start with me. Um, you? And I'm... With, <laughs> yeah, me. You know, it's kind of the host fiat, is that I get to pick when I go. Go off, King. Do it. We're going to talk about Hogwarts Legacy, Um, a game that has been talked about a little bit here and there. We've spent some time the last couple podcasts, but I've now, I'm going to say, basically beat the game. I'm 42 hours in. I can see the finish line. I didn't quite cross it before this pod, I'll I'll admit. Uh, But I've got a lot of thoughts, and I just want to kind of spew them out for your consumption. Does that game need to be that that long? No, it really doesn't. That's a um, long, that seems like a long, long play. But it's time not for a game that, like that long, really, if you're just playing it straight. Any game like that, Vito. Like a franchise story. I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, to be fair, I did spend a lot of time doing extra stuff outside of what I needed to do. Um, I have a little over 90% completion. So. I would say this is a main game plus plus, but not quite a completionist run. I'm sorry, how many hours did you say you had? Forty two. Hmm. So it is a game that tracks completion in some way? You're saying you mainly drain um, the main game vein? I mainly drain the main game vein. It, it does track completion of um the fee- uh, field guide notebook, I think is what it's called. Um okay. Which is kind of like Red Dead 2's 100% completion, where getting um, 100% in it doesn't literally mean doing 100% of the thing. For example, there's 100 different field guide pages that you have to collect in order to um, complete the challenge, which gives you 100% in that category. But there's actually like 150 of them in the game, you know? Um. So it's not a 100, 100% completion. But enough about that. That's just qualifying where I'm at. Um, hot off the top of my head, it's a 7 out of 10 game. Wow. I think that Magical. the game is pretty much carried by how cool Hogwarts is to explore. And Hogs Me Too is also really neat. There's a lot of fun in that aesthetic, and if you like Harry Potter, you're going to dig the aesthetic, but there's just too much stuff that I wish was better for me to like rate it much higher than that. Um, and there's potential, so maybe a sequel would, will wrap it around. But it's stuff like, if I'm going to start boiling into it, oh boy, how do I frame this? I guess it's kind of like boil. three different ways I could talk about it, three different themes. Uh, systems, narrative, and overall gameplay. Uh, systems-wise, 
I think looking at the systems is where the game feels like the most half-baked. It has a lot of neat thrusts at Deep Systems gameplay. Like there's a potion crafting mechanism that uh, you feed input to from a plant growing system. Uh, and these have Harry Potter charm to them and are generally kind of fun to do. Um, there's also a beast nurturing system that affords you crafting materials, upgrade your gear. But each one of these systems you can interact with and master pretty quickly and almost never need to like go revisit. Um, the moment that I had six or seven different pots of plants going, uh, I had everything I needed for the whole game. Um, the moment that I met, like got max potions, I probably never needed to make potions again. And these <laughs> are just basically, I would focus on this for an hour or two, be done with it and then move on. Uh, there's no progression in these systems and the amount or types of plants you can grow, the amount or types of potions you can make. Um, it's more of like just a novelty you kind of interact with. And it sucks because I'm not usually a crafting guy, but there was something about the aesthetic of this that was fun and cool that I wish they had uh, expanded more on. The beast system is like particularly egregious because you feel constricted because basically the beasts work like if you've seen Fantastic Beasts, which I haven't. Apparently there's a pocket dimension called the Vivarium where beasts can live, and your room requirement has one of those. But it can only hold four species. And throughout completing the main quest, you unlock more vivariums to the point where like where I'm at, I just unlocked the fourth vivarium like right before the end of the game. That's kind of lame because like I was more or less done with the system, I don't know, many hours ago, but now I'm unlocking more capability to it, which is like why? That being said, like not everybody's gonna play the game like me. Like I I do all the side stuff before I do main stuff. You know, it's just kinda right. how I play every game. If somebody were to breeze through the main game and unlock everything and then go and finish their side stuff, they probably would have a different take than me here. Um, the room of requirement is really cool. That's like one thing that's just like a straight good. I, I enjoyed um, decorating it and all that. And I did enjoy like setting up my production areas for these systems. But like I said, some more depth in any one of these would have gone a long way. The worst system, though, is the looting system. It's pretty much garbage up and down. Has all the hard marks of a bad and bloated loot system. Gear is level to your character, so legendary gear you find is quickly outmatched by normal gear you get a couple hours later at a higher level. The only thing that matters on any of your gear is the damage or defense number. You have super limited amount of inventory uh, that's expanded upon by collecting a certain thing in the open world, which you sort of want to do just so you don't have to bother going back and selling all your shit as often, but... It, like I said, it feels kind of pointless because almost none of the gear actually matters. Hmm. Okay. Man, where do I go on from there? This is a Harry Potter game that has no house point system, no house cup, no Quidditch. There aren't any systems around classes and the businesses of actually learning magic. And like one really egregious example, you have a quest where you sneak through the restricted section of the library and it's a stealth quest. Uh, and immediately after the quest, you can turn around and just run through the library with Reckless Abandon. Like, there's no curfew, <laughs> nothing approaching a crime or wanted system that would incentivize you to actually roleplay like a student. Um, I have more comments there when I get to the narrative. I think that would have been neat to, to be able to uh, 
really feel like you were a student, you know, living yeah. that <clears throat> life. Yeah, like, for uh, sure. Something like, like more like bully. Well, that's exactly what I was mm-hmm. going to say. Like this game, for my tastes, needed to lean more into being a bully than being a Ubisoft Assassin's Creed style open world game. Um, and on the open world, it's cool, sure, but like I didn't care about jack shit in the world outside of Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. Like I was trying to think, like you know, game development doesn't work like this. But if this game could have been made exactly to my tastes, um, one thing that would have been a huge improvement is just get rid of most of the open world, and instead just really scale up Hogwarts and Hogsmeade and the area in between it. You know what I mean? Because those are the most interesting parts yeah. of the world anyway. And you know. They could have felt bigger and done a lot more if they decided that they were just going to make that the area. Made those just really a lot more dense than they are. Not that Hogwarts isn't somewhat dense. It's really cool. Like I said, there's, this game is kind of hard to talk about because like, I feel like on paper I mostly didn't like most of the things happening, but um, objectively it was just straight fun and it ca- has kept me engaged and I still want to beat the game. You know what I mean? Right. No, that makes sense. So I think that's about it for systems. Then the next pillar I have is narrative. Um, I think it's pretty aggressively mid, as the kids might say. I already commented on this in a previous pod, but it's, now that I'm almost done, it's pretty much impossible to care about almost anything that happens in this story. You're a blank character, blank slate character who acts like one, so your character has no way related to anybody or anything going on around you. Almost every character is boring, even when they aren't just explicitly one-dimensional. Uh, there is one character in arc that I find interesting, so it's not like a total loss. And it is a Harry Potter game, so, you know, what do you expect from a narrative? Um, but if I were to pick out one thing, one crucial thing that I think shot this game in the foot, at least as far as the main story goes, is revolving the entire plot around a buzzword that basically means main character Fiat, the ancient magic. You are special because you can use ancient magic what is ancient magic it is special magic okay whatever who cares (laughs) yeah that being said the the character arc surrounding one of your three friends that you make in the game um is about his potential descent into being a dark wizard and that one actually is pretty interesting john you were watching me play some of that last night there was some Twists and turns I didn't expect. And I was having a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, yeah, and I don't really disagree with anything you've said so far about the story or the mechanics. I think it's all yeah. pretty pretty spot on. Um what more can I say about the narrative? I mean there's there's also just the open world problem of where every single side quest uh, that's not quite true, but almost every side quest is go here, kill this, or go fetch that from there. Um Which, especially because, like I said, the characters aren't interesting. I literally just tapped Y to skip through side quest dialogue after a certain point if it wasn't relating to one of the main companions I've met. It's not, like, procedurally generated, right? It's still written. It is not. Okay. It is written. Okay. It is written. It is written. The third and final pillar I wanted to engage with is gameplay. It's fine. The combat's actually pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed mixing and matching spells and how most enemies had one or two special ways to kill them by threading certain spells together. And the game doesn't really hold your hand to find that stuff out. 
So it is kind of fun when you're like, oh, if I do this, then that, then that's like an instant kill in this guy that was giving me trouble. Did it feel uh, like um, <clears throat> that one RPG you just played a couple months ago? Um, that old school RPG. Arcs Fatalis? Yes, yes. Uh, not even a little bit. I mean, like when you first learn the spells, there is a little Arcs Fatalis like minigame where you have to like you draw it out. Even then, you're drawing it out on a rail. And you only do that when you first learn the spell. Oh, um, that's silly. My main problem with like the combat kind of gets into, I guess I should have mentioned this in systems, is stuff like the UI and an interactivity. Um, though the game has basically four hot bars and ways to switch between them, it wasn't until I had played it a lot that that started feeling comfortable to me. It's hard. I don't, I'm not quite sure how they could have resolved this problem, but I have some ideas. Like, for example, there is a special, there is a set of spells that you have to um, equip onto your bar to do stuff in the room requirements, to conjure items, to make items disappear, to change the size or shape. They, those could have just not been spells, or at least not spells in the same way that you equip, just like your combat spells. Um, same with like all the spells relating, all the abilities, whatever, relating to like nurturing a beast, feeding the beast, capturing a beast petting it those are also on those same bars and so hmm. whenever you want to do that you probably have to swap those on and then swap them back off for your combat spells it feels weird they could have maybe used more buttons or used buttons in a more clever way in order to make it feel less cumbersome to have 16 different spells you want to swap around with i mean if this were yeah, like a, a, a pc game uh, i probably wouldn't be complaining because i would have just had like you know all of them on my number here, our number bar or something like that. But I mean, obviously even on PC, it's restricted to the console UI yeah. um, hot bar mechanism. I think a, a more elegant I'm solution glad. would have been to include a small plastic microphone in the box that you had to right. shout all your spell names into. That could have worked. Yeah, I, worked. I, I fuck with that. Or like a some sort of like Wiimote wand thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Making yeah. a complicated gesture. Yeah, or both. Say the both Latin combined. Name. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, probably the worst part about the UI for me is that the menus never felt good. Like, they, I, I can't quite point out what it is for the most part, but it always felt like a chore having to jump between my map to my gear menu to my inventory to whatever else. Maybe it's because for the most part I was only using two or three of those, but. It felt like I had to jump between like six or seven in order to get to what I wanted. Um, the map in particular, I think, is cool, but I hate that it separates it into three maps, the Hogwarts, Hogsmeade, and World map. When like, if this were a GTA game, I could just zoom out of Hogwarts and be on the world map. In this game, I have to press a different button to go to the world map and Hogsmeade. This sounds kind of nitpicky, but like, over a long over a long enough time playing the game, but it started really annoying me. Maybe not even want to open the map at certain points, just because I didn't want to have to fuck with it. I'm surprised the developers had the reservation not to make the map the Marauder's map for no reason. I think that, like, if this were a game that took place entirely in Hogwarts, they probably would have done that. And had more of those simulation elements that it doesn't have, you know, where... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the NPCs have like lives and paths and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, 
you know, I don't think it would be unfair to say our, our friend Knoxville, I saw, I didn't get to watch much of it, but I saw he was playing the Philosopher's Stone. What was that old PS1 game? On PS1, yeah. That's yeah. probably a better Hogwarts experience than Hogwarts Legacy. Dude, it had because of the atmosphere? Yeah. Or because of those? I mean, of all of the above. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> as far as what isn't great about the gameplay, um, the w- overworld is bloated with like, like kind of like a Witcher 3 style problem and not nearly as bad. I've I mean, far too things in your map that mostly don't matter. Uh, after like the first one or two, I never ever went inside a treasure vault. Um, I have no reason to do shit like Merlin trials once I finished getting all my gear slots. And even then it was tedious pushing myself to doing all those in order to get far enough to get all my gear slots. Um, yeah, you know, there's just, it didn't need to be an open world game is almost where I'm trying to get at. And it, the fact that it's open world, I don't know if it makes it better than it could have been otherwise. It certainly makes it more mainstream appealable, which was the point of making this game and right. playing it so safe with the story and making your character self-insert and such. Because I don't know if this is a game that really is made with the gamer in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I th- I thought I may- might have heard you say, or somebody that was playing it, <clears throat> that you were very excited for a sequel. Is that you? Um, is this kind of like a... You know, this was the first game in, you know, maybe a a new Harry Potter franchise, and the second one will be very promising because, you know, they experimented. I think there is potential for that. I think there's certainly a lot of potential for that. I think as I get further and further to the end, I'm less optimistic that that's the way the world is going to play out. Um, I think I'm more leaning on that, like, this game is not made for me, so why would I expect the sequel to be made for me? You know what I mean? I'm sure the sequel will be better. Might throw in Quidditch. Hell, I might even have a house point system. Um, but I don't know if it will be interested in focusing on learning magic, being a student at a magic school, uh, and I don't know. Like, Imagine every Harry Potter movie, except maybe like the last one or two. All of them have the backdrop of the most important thing in our characters' lives is getting through the school year. Learning, right. co- learning magic, doing well in their class, and all that. But throughout that, there's hooks that lead them to, under, un- to uncover some mystery of something sinister happening at Hogwarts. And for whatever reason, these guys are just the best poised in order to like uncover, un- unravel the right threads that lead to a resolution of the mystery. This game should have done that. Instead, you you don't even feel like a student. I mean, I commented more last week on like how weird your character feels contextually, but like you know, people have been saying that it's Hogwarts Jump Street because you feel like a cop that's like pretending to be a student. <laughs> and I I think that's the best way to summarize the, the vibe of the story. So you're saying they should have included more snogging. Oh, for sure. Snogging should have been more involved. So where do, where do I end up at it? I recommend this game. If you like Harry Potter a lot, I still think there's enough value and enjoyment there. Just merely from exploring Hogwarts and, and seeing what there is around the world. That you're probably going to enjoy the game for its uh, duration. 
Um, and definitely if you focus on the main story, which I don't think is all that long if you just do the main story. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really, I really thought too much about it. Uh, but if you're not somebody who has a special history with Hogwarts, if you're not somebody who like would call yourself a Harry Potter fan, I can't imagine you getting any value out of this game. So that's where I kind of land as a skip a for me then. General seven out of ten, one thumb up, I guess, and one thumb down. I mean, unless alternatively you are a big fan, can't get enough of Ubisoft style games. In which sure. case it sounds a little bit like a task list for you to accomplish. Sure. And and you know, where where I started this game is I was kind of looking for like something to kind of like lose my brain in, like an open world game. I, I was even playing a little bit of a Red Dead 2 uh single player game when I first started this, but um you know, so make sure you're in a mood for exactly that. Set your expectations appropriately. Um the game is the most charming. The game is far more charming in its first five to ten hours than it is in its last five to ten hours. Um, yeah. That's my experience playing Hogwarts Legacy. I'm going to finish it maybe tonight, maybe this weekend, but I don't know if I'll have much more to say about it. Right. Well, like John. aired my bag there. John, yeah. uh, you know, history is our greatest teacher, so... Uh, we can look to the past to see how Hogwarts Legacy 2 or whatever it will be called will, will fare in comparison by looking at uh, how TAC 2, the Staff of Dreams, evolved uh, from yes. TAC and the Power of Juju, you know? Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a fair indicator. Uh, that, that's actually, I wasn't going to mention this, but you just jogged my, my brain on this flask. Uh, grading on a Curve, really good game from Avalanche. Studio that <laughs> I, we were we've kind of memed on their recent ish history at least. Um, a lot of Disney pretty Infinity. Good. Yeah, they did pretty good grading on a curve. Cool. Well, hell, thanks for uh, sharing that. And that's actually about it for my roundtable. I just wanted to, you know, talk about completing Hogwarts Legacy. Mm. And you gotta you gotta bring Vito to the end though. Do that for me. Oh, Vito's gonna get to the end. What he's going to see there, I don't know. And I probably won't even care, but he's going to get there. Speaking of bringing Vito to the end, we're just going to move right along breezy to Vito. Oh. What have you been doing recently? But he's not <clears> at the end. It has not been second. a very... Uh, <clears throat> it's not been a very busy video game week for me. Um, I spoke a lot on the last pod, so, you know... You guys will, will let me go this time. I'm not going to say a lot. No. Um, we'll see. Uh, as far as games go, man, I feel like that Last of Us pod was like yesterday. Um, I played a little bit of Wolong, uh, some by myself, some with Andy and co-op, and then our friend Kurt also joined us for a three-way co-op, the best kind of co-op. And uh, I'm playing that on a Game Pass. Um, and it is okay. I love Sekiro. I love the Souls games. This feels like, uh, like a, we have those games at home kind of game, which is totally <laughs> I think fine. That's totally accurate. Totally fine. Cause it's I, actually, you know, it's funny. I, I was excited about this game and also cause you know, Kurt was hyping it up and you know, it looked cool and 
Uh, came at the right time, and it's on Game Pass. I always love when I get to try a game like this on Game Pass and not pay the full price for it. For sure. Um, but I actually didn't even look at reviews for this game at all. How did it? How did it uh, go down? What do people say about this one? Do you know? I feel like it was like an uh, eight out of ten. Right? Probably like an eight, seven point five, maybe. My Wulong. So my Wulong, Wulong. Whoa! Uh, well, I know it did not do very well in the Steam reviews when it came out because you not really use the mouse and keyboard, and it wasn't optimized well. Metacritic oh, okay. on PC has it at seventy nine. 79. Yeah, it sounds accurate. It's just uh I've seen a lot of 8 out of 10s, yeah. Yeah, that no, that's that's that seems very accurate to my experience right now. I mean, it's it's uh the combat is pretty fun. I really like deflecting stuff. Um kind of like, you know, parrying in Sekiro. Um I it's very very cool that you could deflect anything. Like you could deflect fireballs you could deflect lightning you could deflect like smoke attacks just like anything that's an attack can be deflected that's very cool and i don't know if that has really been done before um to that extent so that's really cool the fighting system sweet i like the you know it seems like a little convoluted at first but uh, i actually do fuck with it the morale system um that kind of you know encourages deflecting and um doesn't encourage blocking as much or, or relying on blocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, even the like the little like level system, uh, the the flags. Um, I think that's pretty cool too. So it's got some cool systems. I think just like the game doesn't have a lot of flavor, like the you know the Souls series, Sekiro, the FromSoft games. They're known for like just being super stylish, having really interesting narratives and killer enemy design. Mm-hmm. In this game, like the, the enemies are super generic so far. Um, they're just kind of, you know, monsters. And um, I'm not interested in the narrative. I know the narrative is kind of cool because it's like a historical fiction. Very, very, you know, it's very much fiction, but it's got a you know, a historical, um, you know, edge to it. Well, that could also um, be interpreted as like them using stock historical characters. So it's like, yeah, I guess that's mm-hmm. how I feel. Again, none of these people are really that interesting to me. I'm also not uh, like a ancient Chinese history buff. Um, we literally have a few friends who are so like they super dig it, I think. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm not really that much into it. Um, so yeah, so like, but I'm having fun though, because like if I was playing like Elden Ring, uh, for the first time or Sekiro or well, not Sekiro cause it's only single player, but if I was playing like Elden Ring for the first time, I would be hesitant to play with friends just cause I, I, I really like that, that experience of playing single player, uh, through for the first time, but this game, I don't give a fuck. So I'm playing with Andy and I'm having a lot of fun and I know we're going to blow through it cause it's actually it's like baby dumb easy also. Um, it was it was baby dumb easy when I was playing by myself. Also, I um, was my my hype. A lot of the sales or when went out from my sales when uh, Kurt like kept telling us that the first boss is the only hard boss in the game, and he wasn't even that that's bad. Insane. He was like he was like a at best mid tier Sekiro boss. A in difficulty. Mid, yeah, exactly. Like a, a low tier mid tier Souls boss. Um, did not. I definitely died a bunch. Probably took me like an hour to beat him, but I also didn't level up my character. 
like on, on purpose. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't really that difficult. And it also yeah. wasn't like crazy interesting. No. Um, yeah, I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying so far. I, unless I'm playing with you, I don't think I'm going to finish this game. And actually, outside of the context of playing in multiplayer, I don't really have any interest in playing it. Um, yeah. I feel like the, there's just too much going on, and I don't have enough faith that it's for me. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of loot. A lot um, of, too, way too much loot. Talk about a lot of magic, dude, and like, who cares? Like, I don't know. It, maybe I just got Sekiro brain, but you can beat the game just by learning how to deflect everything and countering yeah. attack. I don't, in my gameplay, I don't, I, I kind of force myself to use the magic just because I have it. You know what I mean? Same. That's what I'm doing too. I'm like, oh, I have this. I guess I should use it. I guess it has utility. And I have to remind myself to use it because it's not like, why not just hit everything with the sword or a yeah. hammer? Um, yeah, the loot system's garbo. Like, it's just, we need to we need to have a talk like a worldwide talk about these loot systems because I can't play these games anymore where I'm just picking up shit left and right and then I have to and it's like a job I have to go through my inventory and figure out what's what's valuable to sell or what I should just junk or God forbid there's a, a salvage uh you know feature like in this mm-hmm. game and there's the freaking little panda monster that you could drop items to and he'll give you something it's just too fucking much i don't want to think about all this stuff um all the different weapons in this game again if you're you might be a completely different person than me and you might think all this is like really really cool if you're really into like max minning and stuff but i don't like having to look through 10 different instances of the same weapon in my inventory because they have slightly different stats or buffs on them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and having to compare them and then, and then, you know, factoring upgrading those weapons. It's just too much. I like Sekiro that it was just like very straightforward. You didn't have to worry about that stuff. You didn't have magic. You just had the one sword. Um, so yeah, this game, this game feels very bloated to me. Um, I didn't play Neo. This is from the makers of Neo, right? Yeah. It is. And that's a that's a highly rated game. Um so I don't know how I, I think I've seen like Kurt and Zach play that game a lot. So I think it's it's similar as far as like what I consider bloat. Um so so I don't know. Some people might like that. I don't I don't like that. Um but yeah, I'm like you. I'll probably play it with you if we have nothing else to do, but Resident Evil 4 comes out tomorrow. So oh, yeah. know, as soon as an interesting game comes along, I'll probably stop playing it. But you know. Thank, thank Game Pass for uh, giving me these opportunities. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like... It's certainly I a guess game I'm glad I didn't spend $60 on. Yeah. I guess Game Pass is the reason you guys checked it out, but if if it weren't for that, I would be surprised that so many of you got, got on it. board with it at all, you know? Yeah. What's, what's surprising to me, like, you know, not to shit-talk our friends, is, like, people like Kurt, who bought the game and got like a hundred percent in like four days it's like dude just get it on game pass it's ten dollars like you're gonna if you're gonna beat the hell out of it in the first week like why spend sixty dollars on it yeah i mean i love game pass for that reason like i'm i'm kind of always signed up for game pass like i'm really bad about it even if i haven't played a game on game pass all month i just like leave the subscription um i've canceled it and like re uh subscribed a couple times but 
I'm pretty bad about it otherwise. Um, but I get people not wanting to like sign up for something for that, you know, like, cause then they're yeah. going to forget to cancel it. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's a whole thing. Um, one thing I'll mention, you know, some of our friends who do play a lot of games like this, like the Neo franchise, they were telling me that like this game is, um, I don't know if intended is the right word. It's sort of intended maybe that you, you play it multiple times because, um, in their eyes, uh, and they might be onto something you play it the first time and it is very easy. That's like easy mode. And then the more times you new game plus it, it gets difficult and it kind of forces you to really learn all of the systems that the game is thrown at you. And I get that. That's not for me at all. Like I, I, think, I, I in my I eyes, I should fair, play your game like, once and get exactly. the enjoyment better, that, you know, a better game would have had that be your first playthrough, right? The new game plus exactly, experience right? saying that would have been, I mean, that is the original experience of Sekiro and there's ways to yeah. make Sekiro harder if that's too easy for you, but you know, yeah, it shouldn't be built into, it shouldn't be like, yeah, hard coded into the game that you're supposed to play it more than once. Like that's, uh, Exactly. To me, that's just like bad game design. And here's the thing. Um, like a game doesn't have to be hard. Like Hogwarts Legacy, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty and I find uh, the, the combat mo- for the most part pretty fun, even though it's not challenging. But like a game like Sekiro or a game like Wolong, it it thrives on being a skill based thing. You know what I mean? You want to have a reason to get better at the parrying at the dodge. Yeah, you want to you want to have a reason to get invested in those crate crazy symptom uh yeah. sorry symptoms systems yeah for sure um but yeah that's that's a uh, wolong uh full-on dynasty um other than that i finished i don't think i mentioned this on the pod but i started and i just finished like yesterday uh all of eastbound and down nice on uh hbo hbo max um great show i i really liked it uh very funny um and and just a good story it was not like the funniest show i've ever seen but it was like a solid eight out of ten show and i finished four seasons of it so i think that says something um and i would definitely how many there are it. four it's four seasons that's it and it's and, and that's perfect it's over um, okay yeah um and uh yeah there's some great great uh you know danny mcbride is the main character in that and he plays uh a I don't know how you describe him he's he's a wild uh like a kind of a has been baseball player um who's no longer in the major leagues and it's just his journey to get back into the major leagues and you know um he uh has somebody who he cares about and just uh his his relationships with people as he's trying to climb to the top and you know, occasionally falls back to the bottom. And uh yeah, it's just very funny, uh, very crass. Uh there are some really great cameos in it. Will Ferrell has like a really, really funny character, um, a reoccurring character throughout the show. That's like one of my favorite Will Ferrell roles. Um Matthew McConaughey pops up. Um actually I should stop naming cameos because it's actually fun to just watch the show and um <laughs> and experience those. But uh, yeah, that's on HBO Max. Check that shit out. Old show. Um, that's that's about it, I think, for me. Okay. Slow week. 
I, I really like the Righteous Gemstones. I, I've had it on my uh, list to go back and uh, at some point watch Eastbound and Down. I just haven't gone around yeah, to it. Yeah, actually, I think now that I finished Eastbound and Down, I think I'm going to go back into Righteous Gemstones and, and finish that up. Mm-hmm. Or get caught up. It's crisscross. Crisscross. It's crisscross. Crisscross applesauce, and that means it's a flask. I don't really understand that segue either, but uh, what have you been up to recently? I dig it. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't eat any applesauce this past week. I'm so sorry. Okay. I really should have taken that. What into about foods that crisscross, like a waffle, say? Oh, okay. Well, speaking of waffles, um, I did see the new movie Sixty Five. I am not familiar with. This. Never heard of it. The one in which Adam Driver's character and a little girl survive against dinosaurs. Oh, uh, is this like the, the year <laughs> yes. 65 when dinosaurs were still roamed the earth? No, I know Something exactly like what this is. I saw the trailer. I posted it in here and I was hyped about it. I, I forgot that it was called that, though. I thought it would be called something cooler. Um, but yeah. it's not, though. So tell us about 65. No. Um, it's dumb. Uh, um... You could easily pick apart all its flaws, but what it reminded me of was the uh, the types of like sci-fi and prehistoric uh, flicks that you'd see in the fifties and sixties, with like uh, you know where the trailer would would uh, be exhibiting monsters and thrills and danger and you know that kind of like fun stuff. It's basically a modern one of those and not quite as fun. It's like takes itself more seriously. Hmm. So it's like a genuine B movie in this modern age of ours. Okay. Um, well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily. No. Um, but so basically you got to go in like all the shit you usually worry about. Ain't important. This is about Adam driver surviving against dinosaurs stop asking questions it's just it's just, just like it yeah right. i'm not saying I mean, it's I good i wasn't expecting too much when i saw the trailer all i would kind of was hopeful for were cool <clears throat> ass action scenes like him versus dinosaurs and like a cool sci-fi conceit um i probably wouldn't expect a good narrative at all from that um are you saying more than that it's bad uh like like is there no i think i think it's probably action i think it's probably going to be less cool than you would hope Mm. um like basically we were hoping for like turok the movie sort of yeah no it's not it's not like there's nothing high octane about it (laughs) there's nothing like over the top about it um i don't think it's good i don't think it's bad i think it knows what it is though um and i think it was born to be a random watch on netflix that's the feeling i got it's mediocre in that way huh yeah and and this got released uh where did you see this in theaters or this is a theatrical it? release oh okay yeah driver apparently adam driver just you know his son likes dinosaurs drop this one so he was like i'll be in a dinosaur movie <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
Um, you know, it's it's it ain't bad, but definitely just you know throw it on sometime. It's it's a it's a definite throw on. Damn, movie. Greg's not here, but he's gonna be sad. I mean, he's still gonna see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe he'll like it more. You know, maybe he'll have a higher estimation of the product. Um, I did also watch recently. Um, well, I won't go into this for too long, but I did uh, catch up on Barry. Seasons nice. two and three. Finally watched my, those. Um, my parents, okay. I, I kind of convinced them to check it out. Well, we don't always align. We don't really align on the same kinds of shows. But I was hoping that they would dig Barry. I think they're kind of middling on it. But <laughs> I, I, I told them I didn't say they had to. But I said because they're like midway through season one. I was like, if you, if you, if you can try to finish season one, seven episodes. And if, I mean, yeah. And if you don't, if you don't like it, then definitely stop there. But I, I told him it's like the, one of the one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, uh, so now you're 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 caught up. On. We got a I point am. of order here, and this you know I'm gonna try to say what I want to say without spoilers, but might might be a spoiler warning here. Spoilers for at least seasons two and three of Barry until fifty seven oh two. Um, Flash, there's a certain scene in the final episode involving a tiger. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I went back and listened what to was your, your guys' spoiler okay, discussion. What was your emotional about this state? Funny, right? <laughs> um, Look at he's laughing just thinking about the situation. No, I'm laughing <laughs> because so because I recently listened to your entire tiger discussion, <laughs> and now you're bringing it up again. <laughs> just, oh, dude, it was the first thought I had. What you, oh, we got to It get won't you be let go. It, um, so I forget who's 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 uh. Perspective was it that this that the scene was very um sort of like affecting because of Hank's like expression and his reactions? Was that Andy? That was that was me oh. and Vito. Yeah, okay. me and me and Andy. Okay. Um I lean more towards that. Fuck yeah. Um, you got him. But oh, fuck John. But are you guys easily shook? You guys are easily shook. I was not shook. <laughs> I wasn't I didn't find it funny. But I, I was like, kind of a little bit Come confused on. as to what was happening. Not, yeah, not actually demon confused. On the other side of that wall, it was no but, tiger. Yeah, it was, I was, it was like, a demon. I was like, this doesn't feel. I was wondering genuinely if it was like a nightmare that Hank was having or something. Or it if, felt so yeah. surreal. Well, oh, I, I had surreal. that. I think I, I didn't think we probably even said a real it. Real right? tiger. I thought. I thought, I I thought sorry, what were we saying? Sorry about the how it felt like a nightmare. Although I think. I thought me and Vito even said that. Like, well, how we definitely we, did so, because yeah. that's. I think that's. But, the, but it's just the how, like, how long that scene drags on, and like it, the next thing happens, and then happens. You know, like eventually, mm-hmm. like it just settles in. Like this is the real I, deal. I think I the know. surrealness of it is what's horrifying. It's not like just a regular. If it was a regular ass scene of like he was listening to just somebody get regular tortured by. Uh, a drug boss or something in the next scene. It would not affect me at all. It was the surrealness that holy fuck, like this. It, it's such a like that this guy has a owns a fucking tiger for the pure reason of of torturing people and and then hearing that and it's I just, very visceral. Yeah, no, the hearing it, I just don't believe. And you know, I I have no idea what a tiger sounds like when it's eating a man. And I just you don't, do not believe it would sound like that. It's not. You know what I really believed when I was watching. I bet you never seen a tiger. I thought that there was no animals on the other side. Nobody getting tortured. I thought it was some sort of like Looney Tunes bit 
where yeah, we were gonna go over to the other room and it was two guys like pretending to torture each yeah, other and they were I gonna like kill each other on accident or something like that. Because it was just the sounds were too absurd. And like the wall was shaking from the tiger's fury. I was like, what the what is going on? And it was just too funny for me. I actually did also think if it wasn't a nightmare that it might be a ploy to trick Hank in some way. Exactly, right, yeah. Because it was so over yeah. the top. Um, but generally, I would say I really appreciated the the reactions from Hank. I think that really sold the horror of the, like whatever he's imagining is like probably worse than what's actually happening. And just exactly. like the that's sounds, what I thought and made the, it even well, funnier. I think that's an that acceptable. We, see, like, we would see him doing that, like almost like breaking his own wrist to get his cuffs off, and then they're going to cut to the other side, and it was like two guys banging on a pot or something. Going, <laughs> ah, ah. I think that's yeah. an acceptable take, though that. Maybe he is exaggerating all of this out of out of just fear, hmm. and that still is frightening and and cool. But I I didn't think it was a fucking joke, John. Yeah, y'all just shook easy as it. <laughs> I, I landed somewhere in the middle. Yeah. All right, well, let's move past that scene though. But you you're because uh, I feel like well, last time we talked about Barry, you weren't caught up, and I I felt either because of the things you were saying or just the vibe I was getting that you were not like like head over heels about the show like like i was oh what i said previously was that i watched season one and then started season two and fell off immediately fell off mm -hmm. um i wasn't in the mood i guess um this time I, I watched it through it was captivating enough to just keep me going the whole time Damn. um i generally liked it uh probably liked seasons two and three more than one um probably liked it less than you guys did though overall uh i think it has definitely some good highs uh, high points but um also weirdly even though there's only eight eight episodes in each season i felt like it could Too have long? stood to be less episodes somehow hmm. which is probably like blasphemous to you guys or uh, fans yeah show, everything you know? you're saying is is uh stupid is just and like insane. chalk on a or nails on a chalkboard right, to me right, right now okay, but i'm okay. i'm trying to be a good friend and uh co-host uh, and just I mean, i'm willing to be open to that take but I haven't seen the show as recently as you have, so like I don't feel like I can talk about the pacing as well. But you know, we, me and Vito watched it week to week, and I think that's part of it too. But we felt like oh, exactly, you know, yeah. I was actually going to bring we that felt, up as well. I definitely will agree that season one isn't as uh, interesting, maybe as season like two and three. But I, that's not like a dig at season one. It's a story that builds. So season one does have to be like a certain level so that season two can escalate things and season three can escalate things further you know mm -hmm. um like i told my parents like you know the story builds the characters are gonna grow and it's and i i just told them you know it's gonna get pretty like crazy you know if you think you're just watching a show about you know a guy who's trying to get into acting you know you ain't you ain't punks you called them um yeah i was actually going to mention that the um you guys watched it week to week versus me binging it both seasons really quickly you know mm -hmm. um so that might have influenced certainly the way i felt about fact, it right? uh the, the the way i ended up feeling was by season three it was playing some of the same notes too many times um same story beats and leaning into absurdity too often even though on paper I sh I feel like I liked that stuff, I there was something about it. Maybe maybe it would have been better 
week to week. And uh, that's oh. kind of why I'm looking forward more to season four, where I will get that experience. You know, that's that's coming soon. Okay. Um, so hopefully that'll give me like pause and breath in between the episodes to be like to sort of process them yeah. and uh, not feel overwhelmed by oh, whatever they're doing. Um, but yeah, You're, what does. Uh, sorry. Go, no, go on. Finish your, your thoughts. And then I'll uh, really, uh, what does prevail for me about the show is the the very dark humor you know the the acting is great um the there are high points of that absurdity that definitely works uh that's the stuff i will remember you know like the stuff that will be the most memorable for me down the line is like season two episode five uh which is just like in my opinion the best the best episode of the series so far give me a summary i forget oh that's the uh taekwondo guy and his daughter yeah yeah that's a great episode um that's a great episode there's there's oh man i i had another one of mine chase, but i forget bike chase bike chase um that episode. episode i liked what else happens in that episode i feel like there was something else in that episode that i liked in there's in the bike cha- oh the um big old bike for some reason there's like ship. a Right, but also for some reason there's like a bakery sage that talks to all the characters. Oh, uh, so yeah, there's like yeah. there's certain points of like uh kind of like surreal that I r- did quite enjoy. Yeah, um, I mean the, man, what the about, show is uh, super surreal and absurd, and I I think that like yeah, I thought they were in a dream that one episode. You you really gotta. <laughs> I'm totally well, into that, and I feel like I, I you really gotta embrace that. Like my parents, I think when they were watching it, they were saying like, "Well, we like the show, but." You know, the Russian gang guys, like, I don't know, they're a little goofy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. like, it's not, what do you think you're watching, maybe? Because it's not, you're not watching, it is a very dark and serious show, but it balances. It's not like the Sopranos, yeah. They're not yeah, it's like, not like the Sopranos, exactly. It, 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 it jumps between super dark and, and, and super absurd. And I like funny. when the, uh, the Chechen, uh, guy who came there to oversee the operation goes up to the roof to take like a, a video or he's on stream with the the oh, bosses back home raiding the place. and oh, then the yeah. raid takes place from both sides from the cops yeah. and the uh bolivians or whatever that was a good scene yeah there's, about, there's points um, like that that are just blend that okay I mean, we can talk all day about specific scenes but i got this one on my mind what about uh as far as surreal nature of it i i really liked uh again i think the final episode the scene where we see sally bash that guy to death in the soundproof booth i mean that was mm-hmm. top 10 for me i love this uh yeah that's all, like a real yeah. scene with her getting choked and then her taking it they're out, all amazing characters out. but where i am right now after finishing season three i think sally's my favorite character she's great she's a complex character I like just because her. her her path and her acting is taking great. all right flash you heard i'm sure my predicts for the next season uh right i don't know if i remember them off the top of my head but i i did hear them technically i was gonna say i was wondering if you had any predicts any predictions for season four yeah i mean like um, season three obviously ends up in a super surprising place barry's literally caught so yeah we've seen some of the media for season four like the poster uh, I think, oh i haven't shit. seen any of it it definitely shows off Neither like prison stuff Right. The The most obvious thing would be some prison time. And um, I do think that Fuchs will be intertwined back into Barry's life and they'll meet again. Um, yeah, I, I don't like it's too perfect 
that specifically on that that like Barry is going to go to prison. He's going to like actually start kind of liking the fact that he's facing retribution. Like it's going to feel right to him, and he's mm-hmm. maybe even going to start seeing a sense of catharsis. And Fuchs is for whatever reason going to admit to everything because he likes being known as the Raven, and somehow it's going to get Barry off with her due sins or at completely. So Barry is free even though when he doesn't want to be. I think that's a really solid prediction. Yeah, yeah. That that more of it will be pinned on Fuchs than should be because of the Raven thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like everybody who was fucking with Barry the whole season, including like the final thing, got all their information from Fuchs first. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think that's a solid prediction. And then you can kind of like where they go from there with the way Barry handles that. Is he going to be? like even more unhinged than he was which seems like so far down that i don't even know what that looks like you know i definitely don't Um, think this is a good ending for barry i don't think there's gonna be a a good good ending for barry he doesn't really deserve a good i think even bill i think that like he's not a good person exactly i think bill Hader doesn't want there to be a good ending for barry because i think bill Hader is making a show about a bad man and And it's it's, just becomes clearer and clearer over the the course of the show. Andy said it a couple of times. I I think that, um, the show is, is very uh, specific about like consequences. Like you can't be a person like Barry and just get away with scot-free with all this stuff. Hmm. Same reason why I think Albert's going to jail next season. Right. That's yeah, exactly. That's what you're saying about consequences and, and yeah, what Albert has to do with all that. But what the minutia of like what Barry does after getting out, because again, I think that's the best, um, the best notion of what is going to happen. Right. What he does from there, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could see it going in any number of directions. I could see it going something even super wacky, like Barry's story makes national news, and you know, Fuchs has like psychologically tortured this guy, and he's like a national hero for whatever reason, and Barry keeps doing bad things that people keep forgiving or something, you know. Something crazy mm-hmm. like that. Until Maybe, like, it all blows up in his face. It. I mean, it depends on how the pinning on Fuchs is portrayed, right? Because, yeah. like, would it be? Would it? Would that then? Would Barry still be known in the public eye as being a killer? You know, like. Um, I mean, what we? Yeah, I don't know. Would all the murders still be like his doing, but Fuchs's fault? You know, it's like the crimes are actually f- no, because that well, that wouldn't. The only the only crime free, that they so. know of, the only crime that they know of is uh, Barry holding a gun to the guy's head. Right. So it would have to if Barry goes free, they're not going to let a the guy who pulled the trigger go free. So it would have to be Barry gets off scot free. So he's not known as like a, a big time murderer, a hitman right. to to everybody. If anything, that's gonna like, fuck with him even more. If anything, he's gonna be known as like a war hero who has PTSD who's been manipulated. Right, like like even a step up from the relationship he was known to have with uh, with Kusino, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> even more uh, uh, forgiveness and empathy towards Barry. Yeah. Which is just gonna mess him up even more, probably. I really thought Gene was so, going to yeah. get plugged. Was going to what? Get plugged. I thought Gene was going to die. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't know how he was going to die, but for some reason I had a feeling. I kind of figured that he would, like, 
I don't know. I, I mean, it would have been bold to kill Henry Winkle off when he's doing such a great job. You know what I mean? But still, right? Yeah, no, nah, he they, he's he's great. He needs to make it through season four. <clears throat> By the way, speaking of great performance, speaking of just getting plugged, I really liked uh, that scene where Fuchs gets shot arbitrarily by one of the biker guys oh yeah just like out in the desert and it's so unceremonious and he's just on he's just shot in the desert yeah because i genuinely was like i hope fuchs is just dead now and it was that anticlimactic an end to his character i would have been a perfect course yeah but uh, of course he's not but But, i mean the point about fuchs is that he doesn't go away you know what i mean he just keeps coming back i don't think fuchs can die before beric dies he can't he can't go away and he can't learn. <laughs> right. That's his character. But yeah, Barry uh, season four coming up in April. So that's soon. I got Barry it. Uh, I, got, I got caught up. Nice. Stoked. I'm glad you enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. And then um I played uh oh. I am playing the Max Payne series for the first time. For the first time, this first is I'm very surprising for me. I would have time. thought this would be your steez for sure. I know, right? I for some reason there's just stuff that I never ever played. Um <laughs> Wait, you tell me you haven't done everything? That's no, crazy. I haven't. Well, I don't know about Angels, but now we know that it's Barry that gives flask wings. Uh I don't get it. Yeah. That's a uh, famous line from Max Payne. Keep up. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, the first game was fun. That's the only one I played so far. Um, I played the PC version, and you need some like <laughs> mod support for that to, to run uh. well these days. But um, yeah, uh, I never got hands-on the Max Payne series before. The, uh, the noir styling and the... Um, you know, the action movie action, you know, John Woo-esque action are, uh, you know, they're a distinct joy to play. Absolutely. Um, uh, the writing was dialogue, writing too. Like, it's no yeah, wonder yeah. the game kind of stood out in its time. Um, the enemies do become bullet sponges after part one of the game. There's three parts. Um mm. And uh, they can often kill you in one shot after that point. So uh, the first part was probably my favorite where it's like more just a romp, you know, like you're just you're just blasting through. Yeah, I don't think the rest um, of the games rather. I think the rest of the games follow that because I don't remember mm -hmm. anybody being bullet sponges in Max Payne. But I haven't played. It's it's been many years since I played two in a while. Max Payne three is more fresh in my mind. Yeah, I am curious to see whether they balanced it more or whether they thought that that was just like the right way to go. Um, and I'm I'm not sure everyone holds this opinion, you know. Right. But um, because part of it is like you really, ago. right? You really have to be like careful, um, navigating through the environment and like then really really unload on people. But yeah, um, talk about like. Everyone, everything's getting remade these days. I feel like those games could use a remake. Max I could Payne see one that, too. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. No, just so, you know, there's maybe as far as like um, 
organic like ease of play throughout the entire game maybe hasn't aged super well in my opinion but it's uh still a good game um and still has like just great style great like atmosphere and um fun and like uh i don't know what to call it just like joyous like that kind of <laughs> um really really enjoyable gunplay like that, that the action that atmosphere yeah. Uh, yeah, and the gameplay is sick. The, that fucking bullet time. Yeah. What were you going to say, Andy? I don't even quite remember what I was originally going to say, but... Um, okay. You know, I, I, I will say that Max Payne, in my opinion, is my second favorite in the series. Um, Max Payne 2 is probably my favorite. Max Payne All 3 right. is my least favorite. Actually, I don't know. Max Payne three, might, I might like more than Max Payne. Max Payne three is sick. No, but I, no, I think. But, but, like, but like Max Payne, what I was getting is, I think Max Payne two is the best of that series. So I'm excited yeah. for you to really get into that. I have heard that opinion from other corners as well, so I'm excited too. And I've of course heard that Max Payne three is sort of like good in its own way, but different. You know, it's I not really it's, comparable to the first two games. I think that's true, but it's maybe less true than you think it is. Like, I think that's true as far as, like, setting goes. Like, it's a very distinct setting and, like, some of the vibe. But I think mm. it's got enough Max Payne in there. Okay. And I definitely think so. I just felt I had some issues with uh, certain aspects of the gameplay. But I thought that game was sick, Max Payne 3. I, I Very fun. I did think, just as a big comment, I did think that, like, I understand why they wanted to go to like this tropical, different, very different location, but, um, you know, I did miss New York City. Yeah, right. And the first, there's like you play like, or you know what? I'll, I'll save it for when Flash plays it actually because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Um, like like Max Payne's version of New York, I think is sort of, I think it's sort of amplified and and uh, heightened by the outsider perspective, you know, remedy making mm -hmm. a game about this, this famous American city, but a sure. specific version of it, a, a noir version. And so it's their like outsider perspective, making it feel very like hostile and dark and grimy and just like awful. And yeah. with the, the winter, the, the blizzard and uh, that, that being like an oppressive, uh, you know, blanket yeah. over the city. It's like, it's like just this really, Interesting vibe. <laughs> cool. So I could see a more sunny locale being a little less, a little yeah. less uh, distinct. And uh, it's also true. I don't remember the Max Payne three story nearly as well. So that must mean, well, because I played it more recently than the first two, that must mean like, you know, something. Uh huh. But yeah, so I'll uh, I'll let you know when I that's play it. these other ones. But as cool. far as my roundtable, that's it. Cool. Hey, we spun around a little bit in this first half of the pod, but we still got a little bit left. John, you're going to be giving your roundtable after the break. Hope you're prepared. Hooray. I want to be sure. entertained. I'm not fucking around. Then we're going to talk a little yeah, bit about the, the news. After He's the, got the stuff. stuff. All right, we'll be back in some moment or two. I think the words I was looking for to describe the uh, the Max Payne gunplay is like 
viscerally satisfying, you know, just oh, like running and visceral. gunning and blasting dudes and them flying through the air and going, ah, you know. Yeah, no, there's a certain reactivity to the to the combat yeah. that that works. Um, I don't remember. I'm not saying you're wrong, obviously, but I don't remember the experience of feeling that they were bullet spongy. I do remember the experience of dying a lot after the start of the Mm -hmm. game. So that probably is truth to that, but I don't know, not to, it's almost like I could maybe compartmentalize that as like a super hot style of game or, you know, more like super hot, like a Max Payne style game, however you want to say it, but like where like part of the fun because of the, bullet time was like figuring out and you should encounter the ideal way to pull it off knowing it was, I could right. get blast any second and that may be the point you know like figuring out enemy placements and dying a lot because that is what happens you know you, mm-hmm. you kind of learn but it's not as interesting for you. that's fine yeah I kind of liked the the part one run and gun John Woo style yeah where you're just you're just going blasting and like you can still die by you know getting uh getting ambushed or caught, making the wrong yeah. moves. Yeah, I was going to mention as well on my roundtable. I'm glad that you brought that up because I have a an additional note as well. I forgot to mention this another or one thing that I do really like about uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Um, a lot of the rewards for doing cha- in, in fact, almost all the rewards for doing challenges like collecting a certain amount of this collectible or doing a certain amount of that thing are these collections. Which come in two forms, either stuff that you can add to your room of requirements, um, statues, decorations, furniture, that kind of thing, or yeah. in gear that you can transmog into. Um, and that was kind of, that's that's fun. That was like a reward I kind of liked getting, even though if I didn't use it, just because I was like, okay, you know, I like decorating my room of requirements, I can maybe use this at some point. Or yeah. I might want to transmog into that at some point. There's maybe too much of the transmog shit. There's like so much. By the time you like get the ability to access transmog, you've collected like thirty or forty different types of things you can get. It feels like uh, it's a lot, but that was, that was a good thing. Okay, I thought you were gonna say that the I reminded you of the visceral satisfaction of running and gunning with your wand or something like oh, that. Oh, I didn't Just even like mention the fucking models playing, dudes. did I? Uh, no, I definitely got like a lot more enjoyment out of this game because I replaced my wand with a gun. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like it would just randomly catch me, uh, especially on cutscenes where your character like pulls out his wand dramatically. And he's just pulling out a Glock. It's like oh, uh, so they're I in would, engine cutscenes. Yeah, yeah. I would just start laughing my ass off. Well, I was watching a cutscene last night where. Uh, somewhat, somewhat evil character starts coming at me, and I just pull my gun, and I just could not stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and he like throws his hands up. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah, right, whoa, yeah, right." Uh, I also, oh, this was an Alex request. I also have a mod on that replaces the soundbite that plays when uh, Vito casts when Guardian Leviosa to. Wingardium Leviosa. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. There's a few variations of it, obviously. Oh, if I didn't mention it, my character's name is Vito. That's nice. His last last name is also Vito's last name, but I won't be saying it. Okay. That's sweet. 
Uh, I installed. All right, I'll say Vito's last name. It's it's Schmido. Vito Schmido. Um, I also installed a mod that replaces the wand with Shrek. Or sorry, not the wand. The wand, the broom with Shrek. So Um, you're riding Shrek in the air. I wish, dude. For some reason, the fucking mod creator. I haven't looked it up, but like Alex, who got the mod for me, uh, when when it didn't seem to work, he looked on the page. For some reason, the mod creator made it for only like an in-game broom. It's like, why? Why would you do that? Wait, what? He only replaced the model of an in-game broom with Shrek. So I, I, I assume I'm going to get to the mod eventually. But I got to finish the game to fly around to Shrek. Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying in-game. You were saying end-game, like it's at the end of the end game. End-game, yeah. An okay, end-game okay. broom. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, and another big recommend I guess that's on your mods. Big oh, reward. <laughs> yeah, right. Another big recommend on mods. Um I installed a mod that um I think I even commented about this the first time I played. Every, in the base game, every time you go to a flu network fast travel thing, which this you're gonna be around a lot, you get some voice line that's like this lady going like Oh, you wouldn't believe how annoying travel was before I invented flu powder. Uh-huh. Uh, I installed a mod that turned that off. She just never talks to yeah, me. I think before you did that, you were even like, I, I hope I can find a mod that can turn that off. Oh, <laughs> uh, did I? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why people, why developers don't catch that stuff that will definitely be annoying to players, especially if they have playtesters. Um... Yeah, I guess QA doesn't like, you know, it's not a bug, it's a feature, so it's it's not something QA would flag. Yeah. But still, develop, like, you'd think they would be playing their game enough to, I don't know. Yeah, there's a few instances of that specific bad habit, actually, but that the flu powder one was definitely the worst, but, like, every time you go to Hogsmeade, your character's like, oh, I, su- uh, I suppose all roads lead to Hogsmeade, something like that. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, like you said, put in more dialogue or, like, you know, know when you said that recently within the last couple hours. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was just thinking of, like, other, trying to think of, like, other examples. The one that came to mind is, like, uh, Bearer Seek Seek Lest from Bearer, Dark Seek, Souls 2. Seek, Seek you just have to skip through her, her opening spiel. There, six Yeah. And then on a personal note, in Psychonauts, whenever Raz fails to grab something with his TK power, he says, can't get a good grip. I think... Can't get even, a good grip. I, we probably weren't doing the podcast when I first... Or when I most recently played Psychonauts. Maybe we were, actually. Uh... But if we were, I would have definitely noted that because I, I, I remember that. And I remember <laughs> being annoyed by that as well. Can't get a good grip. I last played it in September of 2021. So yeah, we, we were definitely doing the pod when I played it. Hmm. Who do you like more? Our veto here in real life or your veto there Ooh. at Hogwarts school? Well, my, my veto is a blank slate. He doesn't have a personality. He's like kind of a murderer. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> I, oppor- he's like opportunist. 
Um, you know, he's rich. So, yeah, I, I think I like my Vita more. What? I saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, oh, talking about your Hogwarts Vita? Well, Flask was asking me, you know, which Vita I preferred. <laughs> well, your Vita's just, he's inspired by me because I'm your favorite Vito. Right, but you know, Lord of the Rings was inspired by a lot of folklore that nobody knows or cares about. He got you there. You, you know what I'm getting at here? Well, welcome back, everybody. Thanks. John. Thanks. It's nice to be back. Uh, John. Other than mm. trading some cards with me, maybe you're going to talk about that. What have you been doing in the last week or so? No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's just between me and you. That's, that's our. That's our. Yeah, that's our secret. Keep it special, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been doing too much. Uh, I I did buy. It was sixty percent off. Just a little telling because it didn't come out that long ago. I bought Marvel's Midnight Sun. Oh, I saw that sale. I was nice. thinking about it, but I saw mostly positive reviews. And sorry, I'm a very positive kind of gal. Right, right. Well, I played 2.5 hours, and I would say at least an hour and a half of that. I'm going to say an hour and a half of that was dating sim game. Fuck you. You're lying. What the fuck? I'm 100% serious. Hold on, and I'll explain. A half hour was probably me being AFK, and then like an hour was me doing like two to three levels in the tutorial. Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, you may have seen Kurt play this game a little bit, but like, and, and I say dating sim, I'm only exaggerating by the the tiniest bit because all of the mechanics are there. I mean, you do talk to characters and you can say positive or negative things to them that, you know, make them, it's actually like a little heart that'll show up and say like plus one or minus one. Um, you know, once you get a relationship high enough with these characters, you can like, you know, take them to different spots and hang out with them and build like a meter. I mean, the, and the only way it's not a dating simulator is that you literally don't be like, hey, we're going to kiss on screen. In every other Aww. way and saying. like mechanic, it, it is. It functions, how does it that functions benefit like a dating you, How does it benefit you gameplay wise? Like if you were to like court certain characters or whatever. I think you like level them up and get more cards or something. I know if you get them to the max relationship, you unlock like their special uh, Midnight Suns outfit, which is just a cosmetic thing. Uh, but yeah, I think it increases your bond and yeah, they, they work better together on a team or something. But, it kind of uh, makes sense in a way because Marvel has always been fairly horny. Yeah, I suppose. It's just, you know, when I'm just talking to Blade about I, what he likes to do on his off days, he's like, well, what the fuck is going on? Wait, uh-huh. but well, what, do, what does he want? What does uh, he I don't know. Do? I don't know him well enough. He won't even tell me his real name yet because we don't know each other well enough. And I, I made a joke, and I made a joke about that, and it was minus heart because we're not <laughs> tight enough to fucking make jokes yet. So me and Blade aren't getting <laughs> off together well right now. Well, one he's thing you do know about him, Blade. okay? One thing you do yeah. know. He likes to walk in the day. Yeah. Well, not that he likes to. He just can't. Well, he just has the ability to, yeah. Yeah. Why would Man, he I did not really see that coming. If he didn't like I, it. 
I knew this was like an XCOM kind of game. I did not see that coming. What you just said. That's disappointing. Why would they? Well, th- why would they put that in there? That's so stupid. I don't know. Very strange. Is it? Is it that in place of like a base building? Oh, yeah. XCOM basically. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah, what it was. They you're, needed you're some running sort of... around your little yeah, because you run around the Sanctum Santorum, and there's like yeah, you can talk to different characters and build cards. Yeah, it's your home base, and yeah, you talk to them in between missions and stuff. And yeah, that's kind of the substitute for what were you gonna say? Yeah, the substitute for like base building and XCOM. They needed something in the hub world, um, whatever. And that's but what I they came just up think with. it's fucking awful. I, I, I truly do. Damn. Um, but the the other side, the the actual levels and like playing the cards. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And and to be fair, I mean, I, I don't think it's actually going to get better, but well, I think it's going to get slightly better because I still, or I think I just got out of like the tutorial kind of phase. So I think levels are going to come in a little bit quicker and I'm not going to be having to talk to Tony Stark about meeting me alone in my room so he can tell me about the forge. Um, So all in all, I don't think I'm going to give this a thumbs up, but I'm going to keep playing it because I bought it. Damn, this game looked so cool. You're you are sick like, in the brain, John. It's just you and Marvel shit, dude. You do you knew Marvel's Avengers was going to be a stinker, and you bought it. Well, I seen Kurt well, no, play. I seen Kurt play Midnight Suns, and like I said, when you get to the card stuff, it is fun, for sure. Gotcha. It's just like there's this other half the game that is just so polar opposite of what I I want and what I expected. It's almost like I wouldn't be surprised. If one day they they had like an up upgrade, where you just didn't have to do the other half. <laughs> but do you think that also they would do it side, so though, that you could pick which half you want to do? What if I just want a dating sim? Uh, well, I you know, and I bet there's, there's people who like people that, which is there, fine. Yeah. I just want to fuck um, a superhero. On the on the upside, if you follow the memes and you like jokes, uh, Morbius. What? The game does have four DLC characters. He's Morbius came out on the 21st. Yo, I, I like memes. March. Uh, so you can pay... Well, if you like <laughs> memes, but you also like paying um, an amount of money over $10. Of course. $15. Well, hang on a second. Is um, my money going Is my money going to support a giant corporation? <laughs> well, no, no. Well, well in order... Um, Per character veto, and so far there are three. There, are, there is Deadpool, there is Venom, and and then there is Morbius. They're all fifteen dollars, and uh, and you get like the character, and then it seems like you get like two, two little missions or two or three missions to go with them. I'm also seeing a Storm. I don't know if you can buy that one separately, but it comes in the season pass. Uh, that might be the fourth character because there there are going to be four DLC characters and, and Morbius is the third one to come okay, out. Okay, okay. Um, but don't worry, Vito, because for the price of the game once over, you can buy these Midnight Sun Season Pass. Yeah, if you buy Season Pass, you save 10 bucks. You're only paying 50 Otherwise, you'd be paying okay. 60 if you bought them all separately. Uh, Kurt bought the Season Pass for the record. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he probably jumped the gun on that one a little bit. I don't even think he finished this game. I don't think he did. Uh, another really negative thing, actually. I'm gonna talk. Well, yeah, I'm gonna talk some shit. So when you're playing the card game part, um, you know the other superheroes have pretty cool cards, and like it makes sense. But you're, and I, I think that you get more abilities later, depending on you choose like light or dark. But um, 
you know, you play a a custom character named the Hunter. I guess it's only kind of custom because they play the Hunter no matter what. Uh, and my powers sucked, and you don't get to pick like you're really you don't really get to like oh hey what do you want your powers to be? They're like hey it's what you're gonna start off as, and you're gonna look dumb as hell no matter what because all the costume options and which you think would be a huge thing in like a superhero game um, are like complete dog shit, and there's like four of them. Yeah, you would think. Uh, so Doesn't... don't buy this. <laughs> uh, no, that, that if, sucks. I kind of knew this already, just because if, if it comes to if it comes to Game Pass, go for it. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Comes to Game Pass, I'll definitely play. I'm not buying it, not for that much money. No. Listeners, and I bought. I bought listeners. No, 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 no. Listeners, John's gonna turn around on Marvel Infinite Sons. Once Blade starts really opening up to him, maybe once I figure if I I hope I find his name out by next week. He's just week. pissed that yeah Blade gave him the cold shoulder. <laughs> it's really soured him against yeah. the entire experience. Um, why, why won't Blade like me, man? Why won't Blade like me, man? <laughs> all right, John, proceed. Yeah, so I mean that was pretty much all I played, but we we did a group of us. Actually, pretty much uh, the podcast, uh, and I'm just going to assume Flashcast this game. We all bought Worms uh, WMD, but we, we, haven't, yeah. we haven't played it. Dude, oh, let's play it. Yo, I'm down to play that. I forgot I'll I... will play it tonight. I'll play it right we, after this. We bought that like on a random uh, night last week, right? I forgot I did that. I might play a game or two, but I'm not going to be Hey, we'll right. see. Uh, but that, yeah, that's it. I, I mean, Marvel's Midnight Suns and uh, me and Andy's yeah. special time is pretty much I bought all a, done. I bought a couple games on that... Uh, uh, Steam sale, a couple all like party games. I bought that Worms W A M W W M D W A S D W A S D. I bought Heave Ho. One sounded cool. I think I've seen that one. It was like it was like three bucks. It wasn't expensive to begin with, but it was on sale. It was like three bucks, and it's like a cool party game. You like chain your arms together and like have to like swing from point A to point B. Yeah, and I bought a plate up. Oh, and, yeah, I didn't know you'd... Yeah, but played up. I'm surprised you didn't already own that. No, I just never got around to it, but uh, it did look cool when you were playing it, so I bought that. I bought uh, BeamNG.Drive. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, just for fun. I, I've seen really cool shit about that game. Like, I, I see people playing it and just cool mods, and uh, it just looks like fun mindless driving and is that crashing the one with physics the, yeah crazy car physics C- crazy car physics like very i don't i don't maybe realistic or just really fun crashing and uh so i bought that especially for the deck and i just sit on the couch and i play it on the deck um although it doesn't run super great on the deck honestly throw it in the um, trash yeah the deck yeah yeah okay definitely trash um, sorry just, uh, just jumping in there for for a second. Just tell it's tell you about my new games. That was good. Everybody here getting uh, Resident Evil? Yeah. I think I am. Yeah, it's gotten... I bought it already. Actually, I'm not getting it. What the fuck? You just want to be fucking different. <laughs> I, did, yeah. did, I mean, I will get it eventually. I uh, maybe we'll talk about it when you guys talk about the game. I think I just have a very different uh. Brain. 
no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I had a very different uh, introduction to Resident Evil 4. I feel like anyone, well, not anyone, but but many other people that I talked to. Huh. Like it made a bad first impression? Did it like I... No, I beat it. I, girlfriend I, or something? I was like, okay, cool game. Put it away. Never thought about it again. Played it once. And then it wasn't until like later then people were like, dude, it's like, you know, a huge thing. Mm. I played in the PlayStation 2. I don't know if that affects quality. I don't know. Me too. Me uh, too. But I just yeah, didn't... Too. I did not think it was like the insane game that everyone... Uh, I mean, says it is, and I'm not even. I can't like even say anything bad about it. It was just a game that I played. It was a game, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I was like, this is this is this is game. This is good." And I never thought about it again. Never wanted to go play it again. You know, people are like, "I've done like full playthroughs." I was that was it. One was good for me. I'm definitely not one of those people that did like twelve. But I definitely played it I'm once, and I definitely liked it a lot. Uh, but that was it. And then I never played it ever again. And that was back when it came out. So I'm excited to play it again. Um, because... Prior to that. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I oh, no, it just looks good. And I really, really liked Resident Evil 2 Remake. It was like one of the, the funnest games I played, you know, in the last five years or so. So um, I'm stoked for this one. All the Resident Evil 3 Remake, I wasn't that stoked for. But um. Yeah. Well, for sure, yeah. I liked the Resident Evil 2 remake. I liked 7, and I, I bought 8 on day 1. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, you like and Resident I, Evil. Yeah, I will, I will get it eventually. You know, I was going to say, though, prior... I don't know, maybe, maybe this did affect my, my playing of Resident Evil 4. I think I've told this story. My prior history... So Resident Evil 4 came out in, what, early 2000? Something like that. I had 12. It was PlayStation 2005. 2005. I had not played Resident Evil 3 or 2. Um... I'm aware of the games. My cousins played them. And the only experience I had with one is that, uh, it, I don't know if it was when it came on. It might have been a little later because I would have been pretty young. But anyways, me and Alex threw it in the PlayStation and the first zombie turns around and we could not kill him. So we immediately ejected the disc and just put it under our couch. <laughs> and they're like, nah, I ain't playing that game no more. And then the I didn't play two or three. And then four came out and I was like, whatever, dude, I'll play it. I don't know, maybe I just so didn't good. have like the series built up in my head. But yeah, I just I just thought it was an okay game. I'm calling it right now, John. If you don't mind, I will make the title of this episode put Resident Evil under the couch. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Well, you know, and and, and do you think you would still do that today if like you Well, I would it? say for the redemption run, I have I have on Steam, I've gone through, I've played Resident Evil One, the, <laughs> the remake or whatever, the or the remaster. You did it for yeah. yourself, like just a you know. Yeah, just to prove. Yeah, <laughs> just to prove it to yourself. And then, you know, I, you I aren't did even do, sure, but <laughs> I did do the Resident Evil Two remake, uh, and I beat that. And then uh, nice. I hey, didn't do three though. I'm proud of you, John. And then five. I like. You know, here's the thing, and, and it's, it's only because it's just co-op. I have not played five single player, and I probably wouldn't have finished it. Nah, I, yeah. I take five co-op over four, uh, playing by myself. It's fun right. too. For, you know, <laughs> definitely, definitely not, definitely an unpopular opinion, but whatever. I don't, I don't think it's Different like strokes, like a uh, blast. I don't think it's as blasphemous as like Flask not really enjoying Barry as much as me and Andy. That's definitely, <laughs> right. it's definitely yeah. the height of blasphemy yeah. so far this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I'm yeah. I was always a big Resident Evil fan, but not because I had played the games properly. Like my experience was four. Five, one, 
two, three, Code Veronica, you know, like uh, six, seven, eight, you know, like, so it, I started with four as my first pro, or actually I started with Outbreak, oddly enough, and then four. So, you know, maybe that colored my perception of the games, but yeah, four just hits some people. And for me, it's one of my top five games, as I've said. It's like just, it's perfect. Pretty much yeah, it's one of the only games I've bought on multiple platforms and have played multiple times all the way through on those platforms. Like, uh, yeah, I, and I didn't. I loved Resident Evil Two, but I didn't have a desire to play that until recently. The remake, I mean, something mm-hmm. about the Re- Resident Evil Four. I just <laughs> so they got the... me. I thought you were saying they got you, like someone shot you in the back of the head with a sniper rifle and it caused you to sneeze. Yeah. Um, yeah I call it uh, people bore. That's what I call it. Right. Oh, Stop okay. the park. Well, yeah. That like, explains it. You're, you're really uh, pushing before it. Before I was being civil, yeah, now I'm throwing now hooks. Gotcha. Yeah. Going for it. Just straight Let's move on. But with it being like uh, such a, distress, a great game and now. the string of remakes, it's like, yeah, it's a guaranteed day one buy for for me and I'm sure a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. I saw the, the the fucking reviews coming out. It was just like 10 out of 10 across yeah. the board. So I, that's, I think that's what solidified the buy for me. Because mm-hmm. um, before I probably, you know, may, might have waited, but I bought it. I, and I would have it downloaded now if I could pre-download it, but I can't. Nope. Yes, yeah, well, yesterday I re-downloaded Fallout 4 and I spent... No exaggeration over like six hours installing mods. So <laughs> I kind of have uh, put all my chips in there. Okay. Well, I feel like well. for like Fallout and stuff, the real gameplay experience is the installation of all those mods. And then once you get in game, it's <laughs> like. It really was. Shut it off now. You're good. Yeah, you can just shut it off. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I did all of the, I was up till one in the morning yesterday. I, I wanted to go to sleep because I had something in the morning, but I was up till one uh, installing these mods. And then this morning I got on and I started the game to make sure it worked. Didn't. And when I seen it worked, I immediately just saved and turned oh. it off. <laughs> and I have not there got back go. on since. So I was like, all right, be good. What spurred uh, you to uh, to want to play again? I don't know. I kind of have mental illness. Oh, okay. <laughs> Every few months I just can't. Yeah, I, it's like, like the sneakiest game I've ever owned. I, you know, you look at your, your top played games on Steam. And Fallout, I have 375 hours. I have no idea where they came from. I can understand well, that feeling. I, do. I think that happens every, to Every like three or four months, I re-download it, and I play with mods, and I get to like the same place, more or less, and I just stop, and I just redo it. Yeah, I don't think that's that crazy. You know, I think that it's different games for different people, but I definitely think that happens, you know? A game is just like insidiously appealing or enticing to you, even when you don't think it should be. Yeah. I'm sorry that keeps happening to you, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like afflicted by it. One of these days. That's, uh, that's about it. That's, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, we got any damn news or what? News? 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 Why'd news? you bring news? it up, Vito? Why'd you got to do that? I was just asking a question. Uh, news. Okay. Well. First off, Counter-Strike 2 has been officially announced. And this is a... Counter-Strike 2 is kind of like an Overwatch 2-like upgrade to uh, CSGO. And that I think CSGO is going to seamlessly become Counter-Strike 2. Um, okay. Some of the yeah. major... Did I hear... 
Go ahead. Did I hear it's going to be free? Yes. Yeah, well, it's free for anybody who owns CSGO. Well, CSGO okay. is free. Very similar to Overwatch. CSGO oh, CSGO is free? CSGO has been free since like 2018 or something like that. So it's fucking free right. for everybody. Yeah. yeah, why do they even use that language? That's weird. Maybe after it comes out. Well, they called it a free upgrade to CSGO to like clarify that it it's not going to cost anything. It's just an upgrade to CSGO. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so it's free, everybody. Some of the major advantages is that they've um, rehauled smoke grenades. So the smoke grenades are dynamic volumetric objects. Uh, that react to lighting and gunfire and explosions. The videos would look really cool. Yeah, that that did look cool. That was really the only thing I saw that was like super new and exciting. Uh, but I am excited for this. Don't get me wrong. Well, there's also um, the tick rate thing. Um, that solves a major problem in um, especially competitive FPS games. But... Uh, Actions are no longer determined by when your client thinks that something has happened. Instead, the server hard codes and timestamps things like shooting and when smokes are thrown and that kind of thing. So, like, if somebody's got a really bad connection, you shouldn't be getting, like, telesniped and that kind of thing. Huh. Okay. I don't understand That's that nice. at all. I'll just take your word for it um, <laughs> that there'll be a smoother gameplay experience, I guess. But I checked my Steam. I, I don't even own the game. Never played it. Basically, imagine if, like, on a tick with tick rate, if say, and I don't know the numbers, but just say that the server pings the world for information every ten seconds, ten milliseconds. You know what I mean? Um, then, you know, for most things that you do, you're not really going to notice. But like for something like really fine shooting and like you know. Um, frame perfect kind of shit, like or like, you know, how did he get that kill? Maybe it's because the server, you know, you guys shot each other at the same time. How does that happen? Maybe it's because the server received the information that you both pressed that button at the same time because it only pings every ten milliseconds, and you guys pressing that window between it. But now right. the server always knows what's going on. Now, and you know, I'm not trying to grill you as if you invented this or something. So if you don't know the answer, that's fine. But why, if this is so great, is this some sort of revolutionary new system or something? Like why, why haven't other competitive uh, games used a system like this or do they? I mean, I think I don't know the full answer, but I think that's just kind of like also answers. Why would Valve release Counter-Strike 2? You know what I mean? Like Valve doesn't release new games unless it like, does something new. You know what I mean? And that's true. Right. Like there's a reason why they want to make this counter strike two and not just an upgrade to CSGO. You know what I mean? They they want people to know that they did this and made this new big thing. Um as far as why other people don't do it, I don't know. I don't know if Valve invented this or if it's just like a really hard problem to solve that most games aren't interested in solving because of how hard it is. I don't know. Yeah. I'll look into it after the pod. Maybe it does exist and just CSGO was old enough that it wasn't implemented. I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited for just an excuse to get back into Counter-Strike because I always liked Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. We had fun in that game. Yeah. And I actually, I installed it and I uh, just played it like yesterday. And it was fun. I like Counter-Strike. Uh, I've got it installed now. 
Man, 2012. That's the last time it's you played it? It's been about a decade. No, that's when it came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's crazy. I was playing when it came out, too. I was, uh... Yeah. I was in, uh, on a LAN team in college. We would go around to different universities whenever they had LANs and playing tournaments and stuff. It's pretty fun. Right. Man, I forgot what we were talking in the news. Uh, Arcane is working actively to remove the always online requirement from Redfall in the future. What? Redfall, if you remember, is the I've always found vampire game. Vampire game from Arcane Studios. It currently has an always online restriction, but don't worry, they're promising to work on a way to turn it off. Eventually. <laughs> Wait, but the game's not out yet. No. No. Oh, okay, they're just giving us a heads up that's coming with that, but they're working on a way. Man, oh God, do you think games will ever figure out how to not do uh, always online? No, right? Not impossible. It's just not impossible. Yeah, it's just not possible. Maybe they'll figure out how to do that in the future. The Maybe interview that like this information came from is sort of like, I don't know. I don't I don't know what like is is this guy just speaking from the position of like you know corporate caginess or something cuz like he acts like this is the 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 game's director he acts like they were taken aback by people being upset about it being always online even in single player it's like that cannot possibly be true. No, yeah. Or maybe they just didn't think the the reaction would be so strong since always online is pervasive. You know, uh pervasive exactly in many games. That but could be it, but it's still, we're still like still fighting a good under- fight, thank God. You got to like have some awareness of how the gaming community feels about these types of issues. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. almost never trust something that somebody says to a journalist, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Who knows? That's why I'm like, who knows where the lie is? But right, yeah. It's a good way to put it. Um. Oh God, I I read this article and I thought, did we somehow copy and paste an article from an agenda last year? But we didn't. Yeah, I thought I saw this too. The Lords of the Fallen, sequel to Lords of the Fallen, has been renamed Lords of the Fallen. Now, if you guys are gaming uh, historians, you might remember a time when the sequel to Lords of the Fallen was called Lords of the Fallen 2. And then it was renamed to The Lords of the Fallen. And now it's Lords of the Fallen. As in the same exact name as the original <laughs> the <same> game. Name. <laughs> it's like I love it's, it. It's so like much. art. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't play yeah, it yeah. a better bit. Yeah. Uh and there's no explanation in this article. It's just it's just, it's just announcing that, that it's happening. Describing the game. And they also developed the original developer's proprietary engine uh in favor of running on Unreal 5. Hmm. Are they like, is this like their uh, way of like retconning the first game? Maybe. Who knows, dude? That's stupid no matter what. That's the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to like overwrite the first game um, because they think that this one deserves to be the long lasting Lords of the Fallen, you know, like uh, pinnacle entry or something like that. Yeah. Because otherwise it makes no sense. 
I remember Lords it's of the very, Fallen uh, got like kind of like mid reception, but you know at the same time, mm-hmm. like I don't know, um, it got enough money to apparently justify another like what eight years of active development. How when did Lords of the Fallen one come out? Oh man, it it was at least like okay, it was, it was at least like um one of the more high profile Souls likes. Because probably because it was one of the first and it had some level of like production value behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. But me as a as a gaming person, I'd rather I'd so much rather um a sequel improve a lot on the first game, but it being like very clearly a sequel. Cause that would make me feel like um, like in any case where a sequel improves on the first game, that would make you feel like, you know, the developers have learned the lessons of the first one and are just making a better game this time. And that's, you know, now this is the one to beat. I don't like revisionist history, basically. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Flask, I'll let you take the last story. Oh, sure. Um, Akira Toriyama's short manga from 2000 that only strange people like me remember at all, Sandland, is getting a movie adaptation in August. It's going to be, looks like it's going to be like a 3D animated, but the style's not bad. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings about, you know, 3D animation overwriting uh, 2D animation in anime, but it looks like it's like decent, decent. Style wise, uh, yeah, this was just like a limited manga released, um, in 2000. So I guess, like, after Dragon Ball Z, that that you know era had run its course. Uh, and I remember reading this as a kid in uh, the pages of Shonen Jump, and uh, it's uh, it's not even like I, I don't know why. This is happening. <laughs> like I, I, I thought this was a completely forgotten little blip, but uh, it's getting a movie, which I think is a good format for it because I don't think this would merit a an entire series. You know, like an entire mm-hmm. season, even a miniseries. I think oh, well, movie yeah. is the way to go. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just. I, I think I remember it being cool. <laughs> it's been a long time since I read it. Well, it's Toriyama. Uh, I think I reread it years later. Yeah, it is Toriyama. So that you know the, you know the sort of like character designs will be <laughs> yeah, will like, feel kind I, of. I don't know if I've fun. ever, I don't know if I've ever heard of this, and I feel like if you had just asked me who who drew this, and I'm not an anime guy, I probably would have just guessed Toriyama. Like I, I just, oh, yeah. I just opened oh, I mean, the yeah, yeah, it's definitely his style, yeah. thousand percent. Uh, and it has a message of like you know, um environmentalism or something like that i think mm-hmm. it's something to do with water because mm-hmm. it takes place in a desert some bullshit some like that. bullshit, about some bullshit. but yeah i think this is neat cool cool uh maybe it'll be good <laughs> yeah i hope so <laughs> it won't it won't <laughs> we all know it won't i'm probably not in touch with like granted this is toriyama so like you know, he's kind of got this the Stephen King effect where I'm sure like most anything he's ever made has been adapted or will be adapted. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I don't see an adaptation from my I don't I don't see a lot of adaptations of like that much older stuff you know this is already 20 years Mm -hmm. old I don't I don't see adaptations of old stuff that often no it's kind of neat there's enough distance as well in memory that maybe it'll help you enjoy them a little bit more Mm -hmm. hey you know what I hope that everybody enjoyed a little bit more this podcast compared to the last one I mean god that last podcast Talking about a show nobody cares about, uh, adapting a game that who could give a shit. Uh, I'm glad that we had some real Jesus pod bring us back to sanity with a little bit of Hogwarts legacy. And I think that's about the only good thing that happened in this podcast. Should I just delete the Last of Us discussion? <laughs> delete it and let's just hang everybody involved. Yeah, well, yeah, we should probably delete it. Put out an apology video and then just never do this again. Yeah. I'll never apologize. Alrighty. Truly, this was The Last of Us. Goodbye, everybody. No, I'm kidding. Um, if you have any follow-on thoughts about Hogwarts Legacy, The Last of Us, uh, Toriyama's art style, um, Midnight Suns, Barry, feel free to email us at brokencampfire.gmail.com. Just a few things you might have thoughts on. Uh, and tweet us at Broken Campfire. But most importantly, after you do all that, take it easy. You know, life's life's too short. Play some video games. Take it easy. Good night, everybody. Good night. Or good morning. Good night. Good night.